You're listening to the Sit Rep Podcast, your home for everything related to historical wargaming. When one man picked up a weapon and battled another, we're going to talk about it. We might even play the battle ourselves, or we just might make fun of each other, but we are entertaining. And now, joining us from merry old England is Gaz, our resident painter, and Ralph, our graphic artist. And of course, on the good old American side, we have our historical guru, Big Jim Ariskany from sunny Florida. And here in the Midwest, representing the nation's people, dun, 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 is Marty and G. And now, sit back, get ready, and let's battle. Hello, everybody. This is G, and you are listening to the Sit Rep Podcast. And as always, we've gotten the crew together, minus one who's on vacation. How dare he be on vacation? But, you know, it happens. The boss, his wife, Donna, makes him do things, and he listens, no matter what he says. But with us today... Over on the uh, far Atlantic side in the land of brews and chips and fish and all that sort of stuff is Gaz. Hey, Gaz, how's it going? Uh, good. Got a cup of tea in my hand, a proper brew. So, um, yeah, I'm happy and ready to go. <laughs> all right. And then is Ralph. Ralph, how are you doing today? I'm all right. Good, good. And here on the uh, American side, just to keep things even, is uh, Big Jim Ariskany, who is actually, it's a two-to-one count, really. He, you know, he, he makes up for my shortcomings when it comes to knowledge on historical matters. Uh, Jim, how are you doing today? Oh, not too bad. Happy to be here. Excellent. And this is G, as always, and you're listening to the next episode of Season 5 of the SITREP Podcast where we talk about anything related to historical wargaming. Um, I am getting messages from Ralter. Uh, Ralter? Walter, Robert, sorry about that. Uh, he's trying to message me. And, um, you know, I'm trying to get him linked in because Robert is joining us to talk about his game, Battlespace. Right, Ralph? Yep. Okay. Uh, that's the one that we mentioned, I think we mentioned in the last podcast and it was the one that marty and you had to look at on the thursday show yeah yeah so uh marty the one, t- with, the, the one with the ai deck the cooperative game which which you know for anybody that's especially currently still in lockdown yeah even though lockdown's easing it's still a nice little game to pick up you know we're supporting a small independent game developer you know that's what the community and the it's all about really and He's got a nice little game system out there, so we're going to try and get him on to talk about it. Yeah, well, so we're just trying to figure out some technical th- issues with the gentleman, but uh, we'll get him on. And to counter Gaz's cup of brew of tea, I have good old American black as my soul coffee, or as we like to call it, lifer juice. So uh, all's good in the world today. So uh, as we wait for our special guest to join us, Hopefully he will very shortly. Um, what is going on in the world of gaming today? Uh, well, there's quite a bit going on. I don't know if you've been keeping up with Chris Long. Um, he's been, you know, chugging away at uh, North Hag. Um, he looks like he made he printed up some other different vehicles. So um, it's pretty amazing that he's doing that. And we did an unboxing of the North Hag miniatures on the general show. 
uh, uh, two Thursdays ago. Um, so if you haven't seen that, please make sure you do. And uh, this past Thursday show was kind of a very low-key show. It, I just did some character creations um, just to you know prove that I actually can do something. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> So I, I got uh, Roan done. Uh, I think I got Oz and uh, Boone. Um, you know, it took a little bit of a while figuring out the p- template, but I got it down. Ralph, you kind of be proud of me. I don't know if you got to see that yet or not, but, uh, you know, after a while of, uh, after a while of tripping over my own thumbs, um, I kind of got it to the point where I could just change the information without having to change the whole field. So, uh, you know, it was pretty mm-hmm. good. Um, I know Jim I was just kept like, hearing Sergeant Maths all the time, and my math is better than that, and I'm that ranked, so I feel disgusted at that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you? Haven't you ever heard that term, Sergeant Math? Uh, you know no, that, that's an American I, thing. I think- yeah, I think it, I think it is. I'm not going to say anything else about that. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you, it's not really a military saying. It's more of a cop saying. We used to make fun okay. of um, our sergeants at the police department because we were doing, I don't know, some traffic accident or something where you had to do measurements. And we had a sergeant who just started adding up, you know, measurements and came up with just a way off the wall, um, you know, um, answer. And... Um, so we just started saying, "What is this sergeant math?" You know, because he could he couldn't add for the life, you know, his life. Um, so I think that's where it came from. It wasn't really military sergeants, but it's just now part of my vocabulary. So anytime okay. math gets kind of wonky, um, you know, we call it sergeants math. So it's not meant towards you, sergeants in the army. <laughs> I, you know, I was one too, but you know, it is it is what it is. So um, math. Gosh. Is math. Math is math. Math is good. <laughs> physics. I love physics. All right. Well, speaking speaking of character creation as well, there's uh, as this show when the show goes out. Yeah. Um, this past weekend, uh, Colin put yep. out a post on Facebook for people wanting uh, getting a few volunteers to try out the new. He character sent me the stuff. Yeah, he already sent Bangin me the stuff. Bangin mm-hmm. V two. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not. That's all you're going to get from me because we can't speak about it. <laughs> well, uh, I can tell you that's uh, you know um, what they did. Uh, yeah, I sent it. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but did send it mm-hmm. to me. So, mm-hmm. um, I've had a look. I've had a play, and yes, that's all. I'm, that's all I'll say. I'll say yeah. Um, <laughs> but um. So it looks like they're going steep, full steam ahead with V2 of Sangin, which is good. Yeah. You know, I, I think it was due an upgrade. I think it was sort of due a, a, a version two of it, especially if, the, if, if they want to sort of, and I don't know Colin's thinking about this, whether he wants to bring it in line with like Ultra Combat Modern and Ultra Combat Normandy, you know, sort of having that uniformed. I hope thing. not. Uh, the only reason I say I, that is because... I think it would lose what makes skirmish, mm-hmm. you know, its own thing and, you know, its charm, if you will. Yeah, it, it is. But I, I, um, I can still see them having the two distinct sort of things. Yeah. There's two distinct, you know, you've got the Sangin creation, which is for small unit, and then you've got the unit creation for ultra combat. Yeah. Yeah. But I've got a suspicion you could, if you were clever enough games master, if you had a GM for the game, you could have it so that you have the large-scale battles, as an example, yeah? Yeah. So you have, say, 30 or 40 troops 
charging into a village and stuff like that. And then the following week, you could break it down where a small unit under the Sangin rules has gone off to do a scouting mission and then bring it back. You know, so you so you're using both systems within a campaign. Wouldn't you know? that get a little confusing, though? Do you think? Possibly. Possibly. Um, but we'll, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll have to see what it, it you know gets there because. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is one of those things. So, all right. Well, uh, we'll wait. I'm still trying to get him. Uh, you know, he. Um, we're, we're working on it, guys. We're working on it. Jim, what did you yes. think of uh, the character creation the other night? You were awfully quiet. Were you deep in thought about how ridiculously frustrating it was watching me navigate Photoshop? Um, I am well-versed in, uh, I should say, um, I'm... <laughs> I was with you in spirit. <laughs> I know how painful a Photoshop stream can be uh, when you're doing it live. Yeah. Um, it, uh, but yeah, you made some great progress. Oh, thank you. Thank so, you. Yeah, that was, that, was a, that, was, that was a nice little video. Thank you. I appreciate that. I know it wasn't the most exciting or fun one, but, you know, it, it gives you a little peek into the world of what goes on behind the scenes to create the end game, you know, literally. Um, so I will get the rest of it finished. like um, – either unit creation or scenario creation or even um, map creation, building creation, like asset creation videos in Photoshop for Sitra podcast before. Uh-huh. Um, they've, ne- they've never been like our top performers uh, either on Facebook or YouTube, but uh, they do. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every once in a while, people like to see, you know, um, you know, how we like build some of the maps that we use, yeah. so, you know, how we build some of the units and things like that. So this, you know, Skirmish Sangin is literally just, or, you know, kind of the same thing, just clicking the echelon scale of the game down one more notch. I mean, it's practically a role-playing game from what I could see. Uh, you have to roll up stats and, you know, bounce out your characters and so on before you go into combat. I've never played Skirmish Sangin myself yet, but that's, that's what it seemed to me uh, in your Thursday video. Yeah, it's very RPG. I don't want to say RPG heavy, but it's definitely you know, got a foundation into RPGs as well as classic wargaming, miniature wargaming, uh, which I like because, again, you know, as I said in the past, it gives you the sense of connection with your team, you know, your your guys on the battlefield, instead of it just being, I'm, I'm just going to throw out a game, bolt action. Let's just say bolt action. Um, you know, when you put your guys on the table in bolt action, it's, it's a unit, right? It's a squad, a platoon, whatever size you're using. And... You know, while while our dear friend Andy used to name all his pieces, um, you know, most people don't. So you don't really have that connection uh, with that game. Whereas in Skirmish, you know, you're naming them, you're uh, rolling for their abilities. You know, some of it's kind of easy to do because you're not really rolling for a lot of stuff. But, you know, and then you're, you know, spending points to upgrades and do some other things. So there is some RPG-ish to it. Um so it gives you a little bit more of a connection to the game, which I like. Um, like I said, you know, Ralph mentioned that uh, they sent out some character creation. We'll call it the alpha testing, if you will, um, of for a second edition skirmish. Um, so they sent me a copy of it, so I have to go through it and try and try it out. Um, but skirmish, you know, I think is the right rule set for what we're doing because. 
the reason uh, for deciding on skirmish versus, say, specter operations, and they're both grand sets, is that with skirmish, you get that sense of your character. And also, we want people to feel that attachment to characters um, while they're watching the gameplay in action. So there's that emotional attachment, and that draws you in, and you want to see the conclusion. You want to see what happens to these people, you know, versus it just being figures you're pushing around on a table. So that's one of the reasons why we went with that rule set, was to give people that connection. Um, you know, it just seemed to fit the, the scenarios that we're looking at much more appropriately than some of the other ones. So that's how I feel about it. And, you know, we have that uh, transit game to come up soon. And, uh, you you know, and there's this trash-talking Brit who thinks he's going to wipe the table off of all the GRS operators. Uh, We'll see what happens. We'll see. Well, what can I say? That's the plan anyway. It would make the preparation for the uh, for the, the the main miniature game a lot easier if it yeah the right miniature game never actually happens. I, I all that if work that and no one comes to the, the party. <laughs> so, um, for people in our audience who may be new, we're talking about the thirteen days to thirteen hours project where we're going to recreate some of the events of the night of eleven to twelve September, two thousand twelve. The um, the uh, incident that took place uh, in Benghazi um, with. Um, members of GRS versus uh, various Libyan militia groups uh, in that city. So we're going to have a transit game, large scale, the map's about a mile and a half wide, where we're trying to get some of our American GRS um, private military contractors from the CIA annex to the actual embassy um, support compound. Uh, That's currently under attack by by Libyan militia forces. So it's like a big slice of downtown uh, Baghdad. We're going to see how many of our operators can get there and more importantly, when they can get there. Because again, that Libyan militia attack on the embassy combat is already in progress. Right. And then the, the idea of our project is that once that game is play tested, we have it all sanded off and then we run it a couple of times and then we run it once live, you know, for real. We're going to use the results of that game to influence the start conditions of the main miniature 28 millimeter game that you guys are hosting up there in Chicago. Exactly. So, so one will affect the the start of the second one. So, if there in theory, if the whole GRS team gets wiped out in the transit game, there's no miniatures game, theoretically. You know, yeah, it's theoretically possible. Yeah, it's so, in the realm of mathematical. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, one one RPG or IED in the wrong place, and if everyone's still in their vehicles, and if the vehicles are too close together, it is technically possible. Yeah. And that would really (laughs) really frustrate uh, some other people, you know? So. No, looking forward to it. Definitely looking forward to it. Okay. Well, uh, Robert keeps sending me this link for the CID, CDD, whatever. Um, Skype does not know what the heck he's talking about. So I don't know what to tell this young man. We'll just have to bring him into uh, another show um, in a couple of weeks once we can get him figured out. So, um, yeah, so, you know, the transit game, uh, Jim's put a lot of work into it. It looks good from what I watched on the videos of the creation of it. Um, it'll be interesting to see what assets make it to the compound. You know, we still have to talk about... The way I looked at it when we started discussing this way back when is that 
do we hold to the timeline in reality where the GRS guys were held at the compound? Um, but we, based on what information we were able to determine, it wasn't that huge of a gap versus what it made it seem like in the movie, right, Jim? There wasn't it wasn't uh, like an hour or something, right? It was only like yeah, five yeah, ten yeah, minutes. And I were, were looking through the uh, the redacted whatever the government has released. Again, this is very very uh, uh, recent, yeah. The Senate the Senate Committee report. Yeah. As far as we can tell, it was like 35 minutes. Oh, it was 35 um, minutes. Okay. Um, now, of, course, of course, 35 minutes is an eternity in combat. Oh, heck yeah. Um, yeah, 35 seconds is an eternity in combat. Right. So it's definitely enough to make a difference. I can say um, that the game is, the transit game is clocked so that uh, the draw conditions, you know, the line between Libyan victory and American victory or whatever, militia victory and GRS victory. Yeah, because there are Libyans on the American side, so I shouldn't just say Libyans versus Americans. Yeah, thirteen fed. But yeah, but the, the the line between these two forces, as far as who wins and who loses, is based on, from what I can tell, the seven minutes it did take them to cover the one point fifty five miles, um, you know, or whatever it was, uh, to, to get from one point to the other. Yeah, um, that's if you take the same route that they took. Like one of the things we try to do in the transit game is to offer more than one route. So, otherwise, it would literally just be like a, like a shoots and ladders game. It would be like like or Monopoly, where you, there's only one way to go around the table, and it just depends on what you land on. You know what happens to you? Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Go directly to, you know, IED jail or whatever. Uh, we didn't want that. So the game is going to present different options. Some routes are going to take longer, but they're safer. Some routes are going to be a lot faster, but they're more risky. Uh, some routes are just going to be longer, but the roads are better, and you know, so on and so forth. Um, so that's how the, that's part of how the transit game is going to work. And so that will affect how we do in that is what will affect you know if we can reach the ambassador alive or dead. Um, can we retrieve his remains if you know? Unfortunately, we don't make it in time to save him. Uh, versus them being taken through the streets of. Benghazi and then ended up in some hospital somewhere and the whole propaganda mess behind that. So, um, you know, he yeah, was, whether or not who, who wins the transit game, it's not going to be like, Oh, run up the stars and stripes. The GRS has won, or, right. you know, set the stars and stripes on fire. We've lost. It's like, okay, you guys reached there with five out of six of the GRS operators still unwounded. Um, you reached there on turn eight. So the percentile chance of ambassador Stevens, still being okay is now this instead of that and the amount of um, Libyan militia attacking the compound because you got there one minute later than you did historically is this instead of that right. also you reach the back gate instead of the front gate so on the table you enter from this side of the table instead of that side of the table at the end of the day all the transit game is really supposed to do is set up the start conditions for the main game up there in Chicago in yeah. 28 millimeter yeah Jay I've managed to get Robert Oh, you did. Join the call, Robert. Yeah. You there? He's, I'm just call, I'm just calling him now. Okay. Yeah, he's joined. Robert, are you there? <laughs> there he is. Robert, we can't hear you. Have you got can yourself you, muted? I got myself muted. Let's there see. you go. We can there hear you go. now. Yeah. Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> How are you guys doing this morning? Good. How are you? Hello there, Robert. Great. So We're in on the call now. We actually actually live on the show now. Welcome. <laughs> 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 well, happy to be on. Good, good. 
So uh, why don't you introduce yourself and your game uh, for those uh, who are will be listening to this podcast and uh, give them a background on it and um, you know you know you saw that Marty and I uh, reviewed it the other night on the Thursday night show but uh, we wanted to get you on and get the uh, creator's point of view and you know this is your chance to really sell that game. All right, here we go. Thank, uh, again, thank you guys for having me on. Um, huge honor. Um, so my name is Robert Salters, like you saw on the cover of the book. Um, I'm somewhat of a new designer. Um, I've been doing, I've been gaming for years now. Uh, started back in the day with a good game of Hero Quest, like many people out there. But uh, instantly fell in love with the hobby and uh, just immediately started just writing my own homebrew th- rule sets and and just picking up different games. Uh, Wargaming kind of came into the uh, spectrum a little later for me. Um, I think with my first game being, um, it was one of those hero click space uh, games with uh, Mech Warrior, I believe it was called. Oh yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I got started with like tabletop wargaming. Um, from there again, just kind of trying my hand at writing my versions of rules. Um, maybe about two, maybe even three years ago now, um, I started to write a simple rule set that was called um, Heroes Among Us. And that was just a very simple, simplistic um, superhero skirmish game. And uh, after releasing it on Wargaming Vault, you know, I got some pretty good feedback. And I said, OK, I think I might be able to take a good hand at this and, and give it a, a solid shot. And so. Uh, I think a year after that, we started working on Battlespace, um, and Battlespace had actually come up from me designing a, another game as well called Fireteam Echo One, and that's kind of really where it all started. Um, that was a very, just a really elaborate game, um, and, and I think it took about, like, we had been working on it for about a year, and we had been playing, um, what was the name of that game? We've been playing um, Heroes of Tyranoff, and it was that's a card-based game one night and we thought man it'd be really cool if this was like had like a military veneer on it you know instead of fantasy and so we, we kind of just took what we were doing with echo one and we kind of started developing like just faster play mechanics mm-hmm. and that's kind of how battle space came about um we, we really wanted to make a game that you could uh that you could kind of set up and get running baby after one read through um, I, I've got this big pet peeve to where I like if a book is like 40, 60 pages, um, I'm just kind of like, oh, man, it's just so much work to learn those rules and and then building your army and stuff. So I really wanted to kind of pull away from that, which I know that's kind of like the industry standard. Um, we just wanted to do something completely different. Uh, and again, that's where the the implementation of the soldier cards and the um these set rep cards and everything come into play. And we just felt like that was just a really good way to be able to get your army figured out, uh, set up into the table just really quickly. You know, um, I have a 15 year old daughter, believe it or not. And, uh, she does not like tabletop skirmish games. You know, you put a board game in front of her and she'll play it all day. But, um, when we are going through the play testing process with battle space, she was like, you know, dad, I can, I can really get with this. Cause you know, this is quick for me to kind of learn and play. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, that, that's really kind of how it got going and, and kind of to bring us to where we are now, really. Okay. So uh, what made you decide on ultra modern, uh, genre versus other 
genres that are out there um, for the background for your game? Um, really, because just knowing, so um, a little background on me, I work for a private security company. So a lot of uh, my coworkers are uh, retired uh, law enforcement, retired military. And so I'm kind of in that ethos of, of um, protective services and knowing, you know, your, your guys from um, active duty or just retiring from active duty. Um, and so it just it was more so just natural for me to kind of gravitate to a, a modern setting. Um, though, though I do love World War II um, and a lot of history, mm-hmm. it's just with modern, um, we felt like it would be it would kind of open doors up for us to be in a, a ring where there aren't a lot of games. Um, I know there, there's uh, Spectre and um, Ultra Modern Normandy and stuff like that. There's, a, there's quite a, there's a few out there, but we felt like there was just more space for us there in the modern setting versus uh, World War II or, or prior. Awesome. No, that, that makes sense. You know, it is a growing field, um, and the more games and rules that we can have, the better for the growth of uh, modern. Um, so what makes your game stand out from the other games? Everybody wants to know what it is that makes your game stand out. Okay, again, uh, so what we feel like makes Battlespace so much different from the, your, your typical games that are out now is just that ease of play. Um, the rule book isn't thick at all, you know, so you can make it through it with in one sitting in most cases. Um, and the rules are very easy for you to grasp. Um, with the way the combat system works, where you're essentially just rolling that one die, that D20, um, from the perspective of your soldiers, uh, that's another uh, simplistic way to, to implement combat. So now I'm not looking for the stats for each individual enemy um, and trying to figure out what kind of and in some cases when you're just when you're setting up the game you know I don't have to spend so much time um, figuring out my enemy you know you're I'm just they're you know they're just gonna be like shooting fish in a barrel you know uh, so I don't want to put so much time into building that list list of uh, my opposition when um, it's the games primarily focused on my soldiers and when you're playing games you're focused on your soldiers soldiers and wanting to put time into developing them so again with the uh, the card system basically being able to um, create a fire team very quickly you know you in a smaller game you can just do your your four soldiers um, and you've got your um, enemy element cards already ready for you to go so Easy cool. to play, and um, so you saw our show the other night. Um, so the main standout or takeaway I got from it is it's really designed for solo play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with the AI deck, which I know is I read from a lot of the different gaming groups on Facebook and other other areas. Um, a lot of people, especially in these days and times right now, find it difficult to get a, an opponent to play a game. So I think your game coming out at at the right time, you know, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, due to what's going on in the world. Um, but so it's very interesting that you have the AI decks and um, Marty can't say enough of it. And I wish Marty was here because I know he had a lot of questions for you, um, yeah. but um, he's on vacation. So um, so the other thing I have to ask um, is. 
is it scalable? So um, what's, you're playing it at 28 mil, uh, I, I understand. Uh, does it scale up and down? Yeah, so um, as far as model scale, uh-huh. um, the, oh, you can, we do, are you, you're speaking on model scale, Yeah, Yep, yeah, yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, so um, you can easily play with 28 mil. Obviously, when we were um, play testing the game and, and going through the design process, um, we played with 20 mil, um, and I, in between making it, I had just started uh, playing with um, 20 mil, 172nd scale, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, you know, for, for the price, you know, you're getting like in certain cases from certain companies, you're getting about 30 to 40 models for about 14 bucks uh, US, and it, I, I couldn't beat that, so I was like, well, let's make sure it can work with 28 as well as 20. Um, and those two scales work perfectly. Um, I've got a guy that messaged me the other day um, from the Battlespace community page on Facebook uh-huh. uh, saying that he wanted to try the game out in 15 mil. And so what he did was print, he print the maneuver card out at, I think, 75%, and it worked perfectly for him. So, um, so you can do 15 mil um, if you scale down the card slightly. Um, and I'm pretty sure you can go up to 32 mil uh, without any awkwardness going on with the game. So I think you can cover your your general scale that most people play in. Okay. And model count wise, where do you see the sweet spot and what is the smallest number and what's the largest number of model count you think plays well with your game? Okay, so you're going to have your four soldiers um, off the bat, you know. Um, typically, we say have your four soldiers and have anywhere from 12 to 15 um, enemy combatants, and you, you should be good to go uh, there. Now, you could play with, um, if you had less, like say you're between 8 and 10 models for your enemy, your, your mm-hmm. enemy. Um, I think you could still pull it off uh, as long as you're getting them off the board quickly. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I I think you should be very comfortable with um, about in that again, in that 12 to 15 model count for your enemies and then your four uh, player characters or soldiers. Okay. All right. So other than that, um, terrain density. Um, Is your game... Really killy, so you need a lot of you know a line of sight terrain to you know obstruct line of sights. Um, or is so, it? Uh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Interrupt you. Okay, so uh, I think terrain makes every game uh, so much more fun, um, but because there is no um, maximum range. I think the uh, a player putting out uh, a good amount of terrain will it will only benefit you, um, and I think it'll make the game more strategic um, with your maneuvering and stuff. Um, because I mean, you can be on one edge of the board and you can fire at something at the other edge. We felt like that would be more realistic than putting, um, you know, certain barriers up to to range. Um, and obviously, if you get within the area of the maneuver card. You're at point blank range, which deals a second wound mm-hmm. if you hit. So, uh, yeah, uh, more terrain is always good. Um, I've got one mission in the book. I believe it's mission three um, where you're actually not supposed to use a lot of terrain. Um, and just kind of I think you, your, your main cover is the Hummer that uh, you're 
soldier, your fire team is traveling in. Okay. Um, so you've kind of got that cover and obviously it's your game. So you put out whatever other cover you want. But um, we usually tell people to, uh, to fill your table up, you know, just to make the game sure. more dynamic. Okay. Um, so what's the ideal playing space size? So is it a two by two, four by four, four by six, four by eight? We, uh, we generally play on a three by three. Um, okay. and that's what I, I tell most people is a three by three is a good size, depending on if, if, if you're going to be at 28 mil, um, even 20 mil is, uh, a three by three is a good size. Um, two by two, uh, the, the gentleman that played 15 mil, he used the two by two, uh-huh. um, on the two YouTube videos we made, I played on a two by two or well, one I played on two by two, excuse me. Um, just to kind of give you an overview of the game, um, a two by two definitely works. And I think even in the book, we mentioned two by two, um, a two by two will or can be a, a harder game because the enemy um, can cover that distance so much quicker to get to you guys. Um, so ideally, I think a three by three is going to uh, is going to serve you better for a nice, full, like robust game. You know that you can put down enough cover um, terrain and you know have objectives not right there in your face. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, so, the, where do you see your game going from here? You know, what direction or growth do you see for your game? All right, so um, hopefully, you know, Chris Chris doesn't get me for this one. So um, we've been talking with uh, Chris Birch from Odiphius. Um, and so we are planning right now a deluxe edition for Battle Space. Um, so we're currently putting all of our energy in that. Um, the game's not going to change drastically. We're just going to uh, tighten up some of the rules, going to update the artwork, um, and going to release... Um, some more nations and enemy opposition um, along with that release. Uh, as long as everything goes as planned, I, I think they, that it will. Um, I can't really put a time frame on it, but uh, that's where the game is headed right now uh, is for the foreseeable future. Uh, beyond that, we'd like to maybe do a, uh, a different uh, period, time period. So maybe World War II, maybe. Awesome. So you're going to be working with Modifius. Chris is a great guy. I know him. So, uh, no, he's a really nice guy. And he uh, yeah. really puts a lot of energy into his projects. So, and he's yeah. done an amazing yeah. job with Fallout and uh, the Star Trek uh, role playing series. So, I mean, you're in good company. Yeah. We, he, um, when, when we first released the um, Heroes Among Us, uh, he contacted me and, you know, gave me a lot of great pointers and I uh, felt like he took me under his wing after that. And um, He was looking at Echo One and we did some videos just for him to kind of show him gameplay of that. And, mm-hmm. uh, when Battle Space came out, you know, he, he reached out to me again and he said, hey, Robert, you know, and, and he kind of told me a few things and sent me like uh, about four pages of questions kind of saying, hey, let's just kind of get through some of this stuff. And and um, as long as everything goes as planned, let's see what we can do in the future. So, nice, yeah, great nice. guy. He's a really yeah. great guy. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to seeing uh, more uh, content and where you head in the future with your game. Um, I know Marty and I are planning to do a Thursday night uh, show where we actually run through a, a scenario as one of our shows. Oh, so uh, definitely you want to get that on the table. Um, yeah. And then uh, I don't know if you heard, we have a little gaming weekend in February. And, uh, you know, if you want to 
talk about possibility of you know showcasing your game at that weekend, we could always do that as well. So we can talk about that uh, offline later. Um, Great. So, um, guys, you've been awfully quiet. Does anybody else have any questions or comments while out there? Hello, is this Mike on? I, I, I was letting you. I was letting you talk there, Jake. <laughs> so it's probably just easier for Robert to have one voice answering <laughs> questions that have been inundated with twelve billion. Um, I've, I'm on the. I'm on the group. I'm on the community group, the Battle Space Community Group, and it seems like the community group, the community has, shall we say, taken it to heart because I've noticed on there there's a guy playing with Star Wars miniatures. Yeah, which, yeah, which yeah. I thought was quite interesting. I'm the one that's posted up the stuff about con- an idea for doing World War Two. I'm Ralph, mm-hmm. by the way, off off the group as well. So, um, so my my thing is, is do you see, um, as you said, in the deluxe edition, you're going to add more units and possibly more nations? Yeah, do yeah. you see beyond that as well doing things like an expansion book or a campaign book with more missions and things? Is that something that you're thinking about for the future as well, and doing um, different different sort of um, areas of battle and things like that? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so one project that we were working on for Battlespace, and it's due to come out, hopefully we can have it ready by Monday, um, is it's the Navy SEALs. We just got finished. We were playtesting it and stuff. We wanted to make sure some things were coming out right. So um, this expansion will have the Navy SEALs. It'll come with, I think it's about four new sit rep cards. Um, it's going to come with a new enemy element, which is the Ambutu Militia. Um, and you're going to get some more equipment cards, um, and along with all that stuff, it's go, it's a um, it's a short campaign. It's five to six missions, depending on how you play out, how it plays out, um, and it's more of a, a narrative. So you're kind of going after a, um, a bad guy we named the Butcher. So um, you're kind of chasing him down. So it's going to take you through a few uh, the different locations. That sounds really good. That actually, you need a canine unit, by the way, Robert. <laughs> well, someone, you need I a firm missile. Made... What's that? Go ahead. I'm sorry. You need a firm missile. That's what you need. You need oh, a firm <laughs> missile. I um I saw someone on the uh, the Facebook page make a uh, a custom canine card. So we're like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. So we want to uh, reach out to that gentleman and uh, and see if we could use his name um, as the, the dog's name and kind of you know as a tribute to him. So. Yeah, um, that sounds really interesting, that, I think, as well, especially, um, I guess, the Navy SEALs, even though it, it, they're, they're one of the many units, I think, from a gamer's point of view, that are ident- quickly identifiable. It's for, like, in the UK, you know, yeah, SAS or SBS, it's like, yes, there are special forces, the SEALs are the ones that pop up, I think, across all nations that, you know, there's a TV series about them and things like that, so I think that, that sounds really interesting, especially a narrative campaign, because I think we all... In, in this little podcast, like narrative campaigns. Mm-hmm. I, play, I play Spectre a lot, and I love, I don't go off what Stephen and Matt did originally, which was um, having the point system. Mm-hmm. I, I prefer building a game and work and playing with players that we're, where we've got a solid narrative behind it, because it makes yeah. it more fun. Oh, it, yeah. You know, we, we want to be in a hobby that tells a story. And yep. I think a narrative tell great stories, and especially in in the current climate, where that you can play solo. And that's one of the things that drew me straight to Battlespace when I saw it, which it's great. I've got your other games as well. I do have heroes, and I have the villains as well, oh, which I thought was an interesting twist. Yeah, on it, one is because you don't often see games where it's everybody he, you know, everybody plays the heroes, but the villains one is where you can play the villains, and because it's models agnostic, you can pick up. You know the 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 stuff that FFG have done with the Avengers and all of the other ones, and play together. Yeah. You can do whatever you want with them, which I think is a great system. 
And anything, like I said, anything with narrative, anything like that, and especially solo play at the moment, I think is great. I think you've done a really, really good job in, in uh, what you've done. Thank you. Thank you so much for all the kind words, and, and thank you for picking up uh, Heroes Among Us mm-hmm. as well. Awesome. Uh, I was really happy that you brought a civilian element into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that was a conscious choice. Is that something that you're looking to expand on in the future? Because having served in theatres as well, it's um, it's always the atmospherics and the environment that you sort of your first indicators, especially in small teams. Yeah, um, yeah, we we do want to um, include your NPCs or your civilians um, more into the missions. Um, one bit of feedback we got um, from a YouTuber. Um, and, and I won't bring up their name or anything. Is that they felt like um, they felt like they didn't want things to get too realistic, you know? So we didn't necessarily want to put, you know, civilians in harm's way um, exactly. So uh, we wanted to soften. We want to soften the tone just a bit, and you know, make it your game to where you know if you want to put civilians in the line of fire, you know, that that's that's totally up to you. Um, but we wanted to tread carefully, especially with in today's environment. Um, with with opposition kind of going after uh, just kind of your civilians in the board or on the board. Um, now with uh, certain missions in the book, you'll see that you know there are rescue missions. Um, we feel like uh, that's a little different because you're kind of going in with that objective to rescue um, civilians. So it, it's something we just want to be very careful. And, and Chris had reached out to me about being careful about um, displaying certain things in the book. Um, so we, we just gotta, we want to make sure we are respectful, um, to, to everyone. So we, we, we do want you guys to enjoy the book and the game, um, and have that bit of civilian element incorporated into your games. But just from our standpoint, we just want to, again, just be careful on what we put, um, or what we display to you guys or what we put in the book for, for you to do. So if that answers your question. Yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things where, it being ultra modern, the immersion level for certain veterans has got to be balanced out carefully, like you are doing. I think it's great that you're taking that on board. And again, community feedback is always useful to take on and uh, take away what you can from it. And if you've had some feedback in relation to that, it's great to hear that you know you're listening to the community, and that shows you as a company uh, uh, doing a great job in not only providing an initial product, but developing it in a way that is careful towards the community members that could be affected by it, which is fantastic. Great to hear that, buddy. Um, it was, I really like the idea of how you engage with small teams versus obviously what is normally a militia or a uh, sort of a loose number of enemies. Um, is, have you ever tried it with a peer enemy to see how they face off as two peer groups? Um, we've not so far. Um, that's a good, that's something for us to try. Um, I'm sure it will work. Uh, we may have to tweak some things. I'm going to leave that up to the community to uh, to try out and, and give their <laughs> feedback. So, yeah. Save yourself a bit of legwork. <laughs> but we're, uh, we're probably going to end up trying that tonight now. Just to <laughs> <laughs> I think one very important thing I definitely want to get in during this is where can people pick up Battle Space? Yeah. Wargamevault.com. 100%. Yeah, and I believe it's uh, on a discount at the minute, so it's a good time to get in as well. Yeah, we want to make sure we keep that discount. So it's at $9 right now. We want to keep that $9, uh, uh, the point, the, part, the price point, excuse me, uh, for now. And then when this deluxe edition comes out, you know, we 
we want to, oh, I need to definitely say this, when the deluxe edition comes out, and again, I've got to speak to Chris about this and, you know, given everything goes to plan, we want to make sure that anyone that's picked up the book from uh, War Game Vault um, will get some sort of discounts if they pick up the deluxe edition. We want to make sure we honor you guys in that way. Is it no, going to be a, sorry guys, um, Go on, is, yeah. it be a, is the deluxe going to be a print and play like the current one is? Or are you yeah. looking to do a actual physical book that people can purchase? So that depends on you guys. That depends on um, if you guys want it bad enough um, and just voice to Chris and, and the guys, the people at Modiphius that, hey, we want this to be a physical book. See, I'm going to put some uh, I'm put some urgency there. So, yeah, we um, Chris is definitely going to be a PDF, obviously, um, underneath Modiphius. Mm-hmm. But uh, if we want that physical book, we're, we're really going to need uh, just the community to uh, just – scream out for it. So it's really wanted and, and tell them that that's what you guys want. And so I'm pretty sure Chris will, will, will grant that. So we'll make that happen. Very cool. Very cool. Excellent. Anybody else? Uh, Hello, Robert. Um, my name is James. How you doing? Hey James. How's it going, man? All righty. Um, so, uh, to add, uh, you know, commentary and questions and so on. Uh, I was definitely very interested to hear about uh, the concept of unlimited range. That's something that uh, we talk about often here on SITREP is how a lot of games tend to have some, some strange uh, ideas about how, you know, range should be handled in games. The bullets fly 12, <laughs> 24, 36 inches, and then they fall out of the sky for some reason. Um, so definitely, that sounds like a definitely a very, um, very good, a very realistic uh, aspect to your design. And also very interested to hear about what you're saying uh, about terrain, about how it's not really required in the game, if I understand correctly, but it's usually considered a pretty good idea to pile as much terrain as possible. Not as much as possible, but a good amount of terrain on the table. Yeah, yeah. yeah I found that I found that pretty interesting given uh, the increasing predominance of urban combat in modern warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also interested to hear you talk about uh, two by two being kind of sometimes too close for a 20 or 28 millimeter game. Um, I would definitely agree with that, uh, how, how that tends to make it difficult for First World Forces or Tier 1 Forces. Um, usually in, in most modern or even semi-modern settings, the better side qualitatively likes to engage at distance. Yeah. And yeah, I was also very interested to hear about the veterans' perspective. I mean, we're, we're just about all veterans here or even active service here on the SIDREP podcast. And as far as rescuing civilians um, or, or balancing respect versus realism, that's something that, that we get some pushback as well uh, once in a while um, here. I've now you can obviously add to this. Um, I find that with civilians in a war game, it's often a measure of what you as the free world player or the first world player or regular forces player um, can't do as opposed to what the enemy is tasked to do. Like, is the Op 4 really going after civilians? Usually the Op 4 is drawn from the local civilians, so they're not really going to do that. However, they will use them as uh, moving terrain, if that's a yeah. not too callous a way to put it. They'll use them as almost like human shields or something. They'll, they'll take a certain building that's got civilians in it, and then they'll occupy that building knowing that you, as the free world player, can't get after them. Is that something that your game maybe sometimes incorporates or, or a viable tactic for the AI deck or anything like that? Uh, again, I, I feel like it does um, to an extent because you're, the civilians react to you uh, or to your soldiers um, the first time they come in clear line of sight. Um, and what we wanted to portray was 
instead of having that civilian do the same thing every single time, you kind of roll on a chart um, and they're going to either run from you, they're going to come give you some intel or whatever the case may be. Um, but in most firefights, you know, you see civilians kind of uh, running for cover, honestly. Um, and if the, the ones that are, you know, true civilians and just, you know, innocent bystanders, um, when it's a situation where you've got a uh, sympathizer, we'll, we'll call them, um, they may, you know, they may go and, and find out your, seek out your opposition and, and let them know you're in the area. Um, I'm pretty sure you say you guys are, are all um, active duty or, or retired. Um, so I'm sure you guys know that better than anyone. Um, and that was one of the things that came up when I was speaking to some of the guys um, at, at where I worked um, and my brother. So my brother's uh, Mickey, who's doing the illustrations for the um, deluxe edition. Uh, he served with the U.S. Army for several years. Um, and that was one of the things that he kind of weighed in on was just the the reaction to uh, civilians in a combat situation. So we wanted to, again, um, we wanted to respect uh we wanted to respect that that dynamic, you know, uh, but at the same time, I'll still have that real world representation. Of, it's of a tough balance. Um, it really is. It really is. I mean, on the one hand, you need your game to be to be realistic or whatever. On the other hand, you know, we said this before on the podcast. Um, you know, war is one of the most horrible things in the world. So you don't want it to be too realistic because it is a war game. You want it to be fun. So. Um, Which is why our, our 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 enemies don't run up to the civilians and you know the standard civilians that are just kind of placed on the board. They don't you know right. run up to them. They um they really don't interact with them, but they will you know shoot through them if they have to. You know so right. But then that same uh, options are not afforded to like pre world players is what I've yeah, I've seen exactly. in some of these games yeah. like this. Yeah. Um like they're not allowed to occupy the same egg, so they're not allowed to be in base to base contact with civilians or whatever, whereas the other side has no rules in that regard. And just that extra little bit of freedom, um, especially with more and more combat in the modern setting taking place in, in an urban setting, civilians are unfortunately always gonna be around. You yeah. as the as the as the free or the, the first world player, trained player regular forces player, you never really know which civilians are really civilians, which civilians are insurgents. Just, they haven't actually shot at you yet. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough thing to, to try to model in a game. So, you know, yeah. definitely, uh, you know, good, good on, good on your, on your game to, uh, on the one hand, try to model it, but on the other hand, try not to get overboard with it to where the game becomes, you know, uncomfortable or unpleasant. Yeah. We, well, and at the end of the day, we, we really just want you to have a fun game that, you know, you can enjoy. Um, again, that's, that's quick to, to get rolling with, you know, once you go through the rule book. So. Cool. Great. Sounds great. All right. Guys. Yeah, I, found, I did find the, uh, watching through your YouTube video that you did, um, on the two, I think it was the two by two actually on that one. I'm not really sure on scale looking down at it, but, uh, yeah, having watched through that, just an initial run through coming to mm -hmm. the rules after that, was obviously very easy to already pick up about the, okay, the numbering system for if I can hit him and if he can hit me. It's, mm -hmm. it's lovely. It's straightforward. I'm only looking at one number. I'm not looking at enemy forces cards. I'm literally looking at my guy, what he can and can't do based all on that single card. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's exactly what you were looking for. Uh, you hit it the nail right on the head uh, by achieving what is a complex strategic stroke tactical game system but a 
compact, streamlined rule system. Thank you. Thank you very I think much. You've done a very good job of that. Are you, are you planning on doing something where people can customize their soldiers in some way from the stats and stuff? Is that is that something that's on the roadmap, shall we say, of looking ahead? I, I think you know, um, it's definitely something we, we need to look at. And um, someone had mentioned that once before, you know, if we would release uh, blank stat cards. Um, and I know we, with the book, you get, I think it's two blank uh, enemy cards where you can make your own. Um, we, we definitely want to make it available. Uh, we've come up with, we, we've got a system that we work off of now um, for developing the soldiers um, as far as if they have a, a specialty, um, where to rank that and how that will um, build out the rest of the characters as far as, as their accuracy and, and whatnot. Um, so I think we're going to make that available um, in the deluxe edition just so you guys can have that option because there's, again, there's so many nations out there and we want to make a... Um, we want to make soldier cards for, for all of them, you know, um, and not have anyone feel left out. So I think if you guys can, you know, if we give you guys the tools mm-hmm. to uh, make your, your own, you know, if you SAS or whatnot, um, until we can actually make a, uh, in a, a true copy of it or a true, uh, mm-hmm. a true representation of it. Um, well, we're going to do that. We're going to apply, give you guys the tools that you need to, to make the, um, the soldiers you want, you know. That's good. Do you find yourself uh, wary of using uh, real, real-world scenarios for missions? Um, it, I think it just really depends on the scenario. I, um, I, we want to do everything with respect to the armed forces and the situations they were in. Um, so we, we look, we. Originally, when we're taking these missions and we're, we're coming up with the, the scenarios and whatnot, um, we want to look at, you know, the outcome. You know, was this a situation where the team was lost um, or, the, you know, did these guys fight through it um, and show true valor? You know, and those are the missions that we want to to take from, you know, I, no one wants to um, no one wants to to think about the accounts of. of of uh, an Apache or something going down and losing an, an entire crew, you know, um, but you know that that situation that happens, and you know a rescue team is you know deployed to 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 find any survivors and stuff like that. So it's 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 really a double edged sword there. Honestly, you know, uh, we, we just want to make sure we do everything tastefully um, and respecting um, our soldiers. So yeah, it's very cool. You've got anything else? I I pretty much got my checklist all done. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I went down my checklist. Um, so Robert, um, let us follow up with you in a couple months. Hopefully, you'll have some more updates, or you can follow up with us if you get more updates from Modifius. And um, yeah, we can go from there. And uh, let's talk uh, here in the near future about our gaming weekend. Let's see if we can get your game on the table as well. Uh, is there any plans to? I know right now it's on War Gamers Vault um, and print as print and play. Uh, do you think there might at some point come a um, professional printed um, option? Um, I you know I haven't even looked at the uh, War Gamers. Do you have the print option on the vault where you can order the print where they'll print mm-hmm. it for you? 
Yeah, so that was actually, once we released the game and, and it started doing really good well, um, that was like the first thing we said we needed to do. We were like, okay, we, we need to get this uh, print on demand. Yeah. Um, and then we were given the, the opportunity um, to make the deluxe edition. And so the, the crossroad that we're at right now is, um, do we go ahead and make these cards print on demand? No. Yeah. The deluxe edition, we may change. Um, we're not going to change anything drastically again, but you know, maybe some artwork may change and we don't want anyone to feel like, um, their, their copies obsolete, you know? Oh wait, um, like a certain this, game company this, that puts out new rules every two to three years and <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I've got a few of those boxes sitting around. Uh huh. I still too, have so. the eighth edition still in the box. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I know. I get you. That, that's responsible. So uh, all right. Well, we'll just keep our eyes on it, and uh, like I said, look for our uh, playthrough video here on a general show on a Thursday night here, hopefully next couple weeks, and uh, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you guys again, um, and I definitely, I want to go ahead and um, I want to send you guys a copy of the new stuff, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, um, please. Maybe you guys can do your playthrough with that if you're comfortable with it. That's um, fine. So It's up to you, though. Yeah, Very no, cool. that, that'd be uh, great. I mean, we obviously want to use whatever the most updated uh, version is, so most yeah. definitely. Well, this will this will be the uh, this will be the um, Navy Seals, okay, and the new and the element. So, new why has it always got to be Navy Seals? Does nobody like the Army anymore? It's always Navy Seals. Navy so Seals. So you'll get still those have Navy the same rules right now and everything. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, yeah. Why don't we do that, and then we'll use those. Um, I have some guys around here that could be Navy SEALs. Yeah, I got some around here somewhere. We can you do it. You have some Navy SEALs, haven't you? I think you've got you, – didn't you get Tim's Navy SEALs? Haven't you got the boat sitting there, Jay? You still paying? Oh, the SBS guys? Hey, my oh, boat – you already start painting. I don't want to mess. I don't want to throw a wrench in your plan. No, 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 no. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It's a funny joke. Uh, it's, it's a running joke. Ralph's making fun of me because I did get an SBS boat um, or SBS boat, a fast boat squadron um, from uh, Footsore Miniatures, and I built it, painted it, and my dog ate it. So uh, it's now going to be a great terrain piece. So uh, oh, it's a crash boat now, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh well, I mean, we can resalvage it. Okay. Uh, yeah, Robert, let's do that, and we'll showcase the most updated stuff for you. So, uh, yeah, why don't okay. we do that? Can I get one more word in? If of you course mind? you can. Um, and I hope this is okay with you guys. But for the deluxe edition, we are um, currently looking for uh, a company that you know has models that they would like to um, to have illustrated in the book uh -huh. um, for photography reasons, for uh -huh. photography for the book. So if anyone has anyone's a, a modeler or they got their own line of, of I can uh, give you two names pictures. right off the top of my head. Why don't you reach out to Tim Spakowski? How do you say it, Ralph? Tim Spakowski, Footsore Miniatures yeah. U.S. Yeah, Footsore Miniatures U.S. He's very open to doing a lot of cross promotion, so you might want to reach out to Footsore U.S. North America. Okay. Uh, Tim is his name, uh, and he listens to this show, so um, I will send him a yeah. heads up as well. Um, so he maybe Spectre as well for the UK. Possibly but Spectre, I'm not too sure yeah. How Stephen and Jess are doing that, or um, our friend Alex. 
Alex at uh, Full Battle Rattle um, as well. Um, so there's several. Yeah, I would definitely reach out to Tim. And, and uh, since he's U.S. side, it might make it a little easier for you and um, yeah. see what he can do for you. Okay, great. Thank you, guys. All right. What we'll, what we'll do is we'll send you some things through the Facebook message that you sent with, with some names and stuff. It's probably easier that way because you might, you know, being on the spot trying to remember and write things down and stuff. Yeah. So it might be easier if we just send you some stuff. But we'll do that for you, definitely. Yeah. That would be great. Thank you guys so much. All right. Well, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me on. It's been an honor and uh, enjoyed being on. And I've watched the show several times. So thank yeah, you. This is great. All right. So uh, everybody out there listening, it's Robert uh, with his game, Battle Space. And we will um, be following him, you know, in the next few months. And make sure you check out, uh, do you have a Facebook page and a website or just a Facebook page? It's just the Facebook page right now. So okay. it's a Battle Space community okay. group. So. All right, so there, and if you are interested in getting your hands on the rules, make sure you go over to Wargamer Vault, and um, you will be able to pick up the rules there. They're still on sale, so make sure you jump on it as soon as you can and start playing and let us know. Post pictures on not only the uh, his page, but on the sit rep page, and let us know how it goes. And then, again, watch for a um, future episode. Probably not this coming Thursday, but possibly the following Thursday we'll get the playtest in, and uh, we'll go from there. So, uh, again, thank you. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. You enjoy your Saturday, and, uh, you know, uh, stay cool, because you're in South Carolina, right? So I know how hot and humid it can be there. Yeah, I was going to say, staying cool, that's not a possibility here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent many years at Fort Bragg, uh, just up the road from you, okay. so I know how it can be in the summer. So, oh, All right. Well, thank you, and take care. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys. What did you think? Yeah, I I I love the system. I love the game. I think yeah. it's great, especially in this climate, with the the fact that it, it does allow for solo play. But the other thing as well, which is really interesting, it's not just solo play. Is if you've got two or three people with you, you could do it as a cooperative game. Uh-huh. Each person taking one soldier. Okay. So you have that element of communicating to each other. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And, and thinking on the fly from a, you know, from a small unit point of view, saying, well, I'm going to go over here. If you go over there, you can cover it. And, you know, so you can bring those elements of, of working together on the table to, def- to defeat the mission. Yeah. You know, one thing uh, I, I also like, go, go you ahead. don't really need a gaming board for it. You can literally just do kitchen table, dining table, mm-hmm. the side in the kitchen. It's, it's, it's such a nice base level of a four-man team facing a, a larger group of sort of lesser trained soldiers that you can you can you can even do it on an abnormal space almost you could do it on an l shape it wouldn't matter yeah you could find a reason to play it anywhere um and the fact it's all self-contained you print it off you just go the sit rep cards keep coming out when you do your failures to roll uh, hey i think we should get a royalty for that I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> I think the royalty is he's sending us a free copy of the Yeah, of right. <laughs> you get you're getting the frogman early, what can you say? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, right. so yeah, I think it's you know, it's uh, I I think it's almost not even been it's still having its potential tapped, you know, by its community. Yeah. I think the the potential to be in a shipyard and the actual the play area be a ship. 
where the frogmen are coming up the, the you know the anchor chain and they're taking out sentries and they're trying to get to sabotage something within the ship. You've got it's such a nice step off point with an AI system that means you don't have to be competitive with somebody else. You can just let the game play itself and you play who you control. There you go. Yeah. So uh, it leads yeah, it, me. To- it is. It's, re- it's really really nice and just compact and. You know, and you know, as I said, a lot of us, you know, we're still in lockdown. We're still, you know, we're still not able to do that to get into gaming groups because some gaming groups aren't aren't available at the moment. And not having to play something online because the vast majority of the gaming, you know, is either moved to tabletop simulator or other things where you can actually physically set up something and physically touch the miniatures and move them. Mm-hmm. You know, and and brings that 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 feeling that we get of moving our tiny fighting men around the table. Yep. Um, you know, one thing I just thought of is I wonder if, say you wanted to play it in a tournament style, could you have a mm-hmm. game referee do the AI portion, um, you know, and then the players do that and, you know. I, I, you could do timed. You yeah. could do it instead of, say, your traditional, you know, VVV. You could have a timer and say, uh-huh. right, you've got, say, um if you complete this in 15 minutes, you get so many points. If you complete in 20 minutes, you get so many points. So you could, I think you could use it for a tour- a mini tournament, hmm. you know? So you have, say, four or five tables, you know, so, well, you would have to have lots of tables, but, you know, you, you know, however many players. And you could either have a referee moving around groups of them. or You, uh, you, don't, you don't need the referee, though, do you? Because no. that's part of it, is having the card and having the, you put the one or two against the model that's the model in play. And then what happens is 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 around it and based off the sit rep card. So you, I think a referee, I'm almost complicate it because the the referee won't be rolling any dice. He won't be roll, moving any miniatures. He's literally not really doing anything. The AI is quite robust. Yeah. Um, it, it could be that, like you say, timed to achieve certain goals or have a number of objectives on a board, and you make a decision on when you pull out. Yeah. to keep your team alive, you know, you might go, okay, well, I'll, I'll pull out now because I've got four, all four guys are still alive. I did two of the five objectives and I reckon people will push further, get wiped out and then they'll have no objectives. Mm-hmm. You could almost do a risk versus reward system for it. There you go. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I think, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's got legs to be at a tournament, but it's, it's such an interesting that you won't be playing another person. It'll be about how you interact with your own team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's definitely something I think they'll be thinking about. Very cool. All right. All right. Let's uh, change gears a little bit. And um, anything news-wise anybody wants to talk about? Um, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Have you got any, Ralph, before I... I'll let you go it. first because I've, okay. I've sort of looked, but I couldn't say anything. But there probably is stuff that's popped up that's there's, sort of there's missed. Just a couple of bits, yeah. Um, I mean... One of them is some of those already out. You know, the Team Yankee United States. They're now a – what was in the original box set is now been broken down. You can get the platoons. Mm-hmm. So you can get yourself the Abrams tank platoon, the uh, RDFLT assault gun platoon, and the – what's the last one? The LAV air yep. defense one as well. Yeah. So they're in and around now in their own box sets. So if you want to bring some firepower – specific firepower to your table you no longer need to go to the start set you can start breaking it down to the individual boxes uh the interesting thing with the uh, abrams is that you know you've got multiple setups on the abrams you've got the m1 the ipm1 the m1a1 and the m1a1 hc uh, and the two gun variants the 105 millimeter and the 120 mm-hmm. so on the other ones they're kind of what you expect 
the assault gun being the 75 millimeter Ares gun. Uh, that one's an interesting pack. It's a mix of metal and plastic rather than all plastic. Oh, really? Um, yeah, that was that was something I noticed when I was looking into it. Um, the Abrams themselves being all plastic, but these ones, I'm presuming they've either got latent stock or it was something that they planned early days um, or it just, you know, to hit the manufacturer numbers with COVID maybe, you know, what manufacturers to hit timelines, maybe they've had to uh, either compromise or not. I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, but yes, uh, it's, so you've got, you know, all those three, the last one having a, a lovely, uh, <laughs> uh, Gatling cannon along with some stinger missiles on it. So even though it's a bit of a lightweight, it's not when it hits you. Yeah. So those, are uh, links, links, aircraft and hind gunships better keep their eyes open on the way in. All right. Um, Perry miniatures, uh, mm-hmm. they've released, um, some cavalry for the, uh, the war of the triple Alliance. So to cover a bit more of the historical, that's uh, South America, 1864 to 1870. Uh, so you've got cavalry for Paraguay, Argentina, and Brazil. Some really nice models. And something I think that you, without a lot of work, G, you could probably have a look at them maybe for the Alamo. Really? Because, yes, there's 40 years difference, but a lot of them are just wielding swords. You know, when it comes to the cavalry, it's mm-hmm. like lancers and swordsmen more than it is uh, some form of mounted riflemen. So they might be a worth a look to see how different the uniforms are and such you know that's very Uh, interesting that uh they chose it just shows you what you know perry's are able to do because honestly i would never thought of that uh conflict uh to be honest with you i didn't even know about that conflict until you just mentioned it so that is a huge one is it yeah (laughs) yes it is probably the bloodiest one of the bloodiest battles ever fought in the western hemisphere or the bloodiest wars. It's definitely the bloodiest war ever fought in South America or Latin America. It was a bad one. Um, and it's, I think it's great that Perry Miniatures is, has decided to, to, to feature it because um, wars fought in Latin America, you know, all the, you know, in another period, all the, in the revolutions and all the wars and all the overthrows, uh, you know, staged by guys like Simon Bolivar. And then, of course, all the wars in the East, like all the wars in Japan and China. Uh, these are areas that are critically and almost criminally underrepresented in media in general, but especially tabletop gaming. So whenever a company does anything to go into uh, one of these lesser exposed or lesser uh, explored areas um, of history, I think it's I think it's great. Um, but yeah, that Triple Alliance War, man, that was that was a rough one, especially for Paraguay. Which again, they kind of started it, um, or at least you know made it as bad as it could have been. Um, but uh, yeah, they basically took on uh, oh god, uh, Uruguay. Um, what, what were the nations again? Argentina and Brazil. Am I getting uh, this right? Yeah, Par- uh, Paraguay, Argentina, and Brazil were the three. Okay, well that's Paraguay, but then they're fighting three, and then I think I think um, I think Uruguay was the third one. Um, so th- yeah, there's one nation taking on three others, and uh, yeah, it's the 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 casualty ratings are almost difficult to believe it's like i need to look that up on another source i need to no that was true holy crap yeah it's that's that's definitely a bad one um it takes place like right after the american civil war in fact i think it started while the american civil war was still in progress Uh, 1864 it kicked off jim yeah so american civil war was 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 still hot and heavy yeah um i think it extends to like 1870 or something like that yeah 1870 yeah Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, like Bolivar often gets over, overshadowed by Napoleonic's. Obviously, Triple Alliance always gets overwhelmed by American Civil War. But yeah, it's it's 
I mean, whether or not you buy the miniatures, I'm sure the miniatures are great, but, you know, check out, uh, you know, any kind of quick article you can find about that conflict because it's a big one and it's one that doesn't get nearly enough attention. That's interesting. One thing I really like about it is the visually, um, the forces are very strong in color. You know, the blues, the greens. Mm-hmm. So as a as a eye-catching table, if you even just laid out like a Waterloo fight uh, or a portion of Waterloo, the visual richness of the model's color schemes makes it so inviting to look at. I'm thinking of picking up just some to paint the odd one, you know, just to, oh, nice. just to throw some paint at yeah. them because it's so refreshing. It's really yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. So it's not yeah. olive drab and tan? Right. Brown. Hey, look, more brown. Then there's green, and then exciting new shades of brown. That's tan. Whoa! I'm, oh, I'm, I mean, khaki. slow down. We're, we're getting crazy with tan now. Okay. Hey, there's a little black. Wow. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I totally agree about that. Very yeah, cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, Futsal Miniatures North America released the Russian Gaz Tiger hey. M. <laughs> along with some fun turret options which has a number of turret options on it yeah. uh, and they've also just brought out some uh, modern winter uh, and some frogmen strangely enough which is what made me think of him earlier today when he said the seals were out yeah. so frogmen still in scuba gear so they've still those, got all the gear on those ones are the pulp range there yeah, is yeah. there is um, shall we say homage to a 1980s cartoon series yeah uh, oh, really? definitely something that you could roll oh, in yeah. The kit and equipment's there, and the weapon systems are there in metal. So yeah. uh, they look like a bit of fun that you could generate some uh, good games from for any form of modern, like you say, 80s. Um, yeah. One of my favorites that I saw this last week, and it's the last one on my list, is uh, White Dragon Miniatures, mm-hmm. who do the British uh, that I brought over for UG. Yeah. Uh, they've just released the British Army Mastiff 2, yeah. um, which is an absolute beast of a heavy patrol vehicle. Um, it's based on the yeah. It's based on the US Cougar, so it's a six wheeler, seven ton, eight patrolman, two on two up front. Uh, what what to call it? Armored truck, yeah, uh, like you would see in the films, but bigger. Um, comes with all the uh, the RPG caging on it, uh, to, you know, to limit the impact damage of the RPGs. Uh, it also comes with a few options for up top. It's got a 7.62 GPMG, uh, 12.7 millimeter uh, heavy machine gun option, or the 40 millimeter grenade launcher gun, which I know will be right up G's alley for, for laying down the good news. Yeah, it was. I think it was one of our first ones to have the unidirectional, I think it's called Dilemma armor which was a really thin layer, lightweight armor that's designed to deal and redirect mine and IED explosions. Uh, I remember the original one being very tough in theater in Afghanistan mm-hmm. uh, to the point where it took a, a very long time. We were talking, you know, a real stacked anti-tank stuff for any of them to actually cause deaths within the casualties. Yes, but not death. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's a bit of an icon for me, uh, so it really resonated with me, and I know it will for a lot of people that play British Modern. I can see that selling very well. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, because um, I'm a little confused. Um, I know the Cougar, when it, was, when it originally rolled out um, with U.S. horses in Iraq, that was one of its big selling points, is that it provides all this additional anti-mine uh, protection or whatever. But it's not the same thing as the MRAP. Right? The MRAP is something that comes along later that's like the same concept vehicle but built larger or 
Am I, not, am I mistaken about that? It's, it's going to be difficult without literally doing a side-by-side visual, I think, Jim. Okay, to, yeah. To That's understand something. what the differences are, yeah. Um, okay. I know that it had... Obviously, it was based on the Cougar, and that might have been... I don't know if that was from design or if that was from physical chassis. You know, I don't know if they okay. took the rolling chassis of the Cougar and then built on it, or if they literally went, that's what we want for the British Army. Can you design us our version? And then the company went away and did that. I'm not 100%. Uh, so I don't want to give disinformation. The um, All I remember it being when it came in, the, the, the number one was a bit underpowered. for its. Okay, I think it's like seven, eight tonnes. Um, and it was pushing out late 200s or early 300 horse from shaft. So it was a little underpowered, and that was something they corrected with the Mastiff 2 that came out after. They uh, bumped up its armour a bit, put in the... I'm trying to remember the name of the plate, the stuff that was sort of directional. I can't remember the name, the exact name. I think it is it's Dyneema, or... I think it's based around the name of the company rather than an actual... Um, right. So it was. I just remember unidirectional. It was like some form of material used for improving uh, protection. Um, but it, it did make them so robust to IEDs um, that, um, you know, the guys were hitting them and then getting out the back, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, crazy stuff. Absolutely. Uh, a beast of a machine. Um, like I'm sure every every country that served over there had to develop that heavy patrol vehicle at the end of the day, didn't they? Because uh, they, they were taking I mean, so yeah. much IED damage. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like I say, um, Wild Dragon Miniatures do some really nice stuff. They do the quad bikes. Uh, I think they've got yeah. the Fox. Is it the Foxhound or is it the, the Foxhound on there? The Foxhound. Yeah, well. yeah. So and and they've also at Salute they had some of the Israeli stuff from the seventies. I want to say early eighties. So if they're sort of doing that in the background, yes, they probably would have featured at Salute this year. But Salute next year should be fun times for for some new stuff from them as well. But it's really something they were talking about early Merkavas, right? Yeah, yeah, there's a 28mm as well, 28mm scale Merkava. A 28 Merkava, good grief. That's going to be entertaining. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Really Merkava's, nice kit. is one of those tanks, man, that's just uh, – some people say it's the best tank in the world. I strongly disagree. It's the best tank in the world for Israel. I think it would be a disaster in other theaters, but it definitely has that distinctive look. The armor. And, uh, yeah, it, it would have been uh, early 80s. I think the, the early 105 armed Merkavas were in Lebanon in, in 82. And then they went on from there. And there's four, uh, four main variants of the Merkava now that go all the way up to the usual smoothbore 120s. Um, but, yeah, they're still using it. So it obviously works for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the White Dragon as well is uh, they have, as well as having the British forces for that, they have got the Afghanis, Afghanis as well. Yeah. The Taliban stuff and what's interesting is their Taliban sets as well are a bit like the way Empress did it so you get the standard foot guys but you guys on bikes and stuff like that as well Mopeds I think there's a Dutcher in there yeah. the heavy machine gun as well uh, yeah some some cheeky stuff mm-hmm. yeah there's some really nice and they're all slightly what, heroic heroic yes they're heroic yeah. scale miniatures so they're quite nice what's interesting about the um, the Mastiff as well is I was looking at the the information on the website is you're getting the three different helmet sets because oh, okay. the three different British types of helmet for the miniatures. Yeah, uh, they do, do para, the, the para, and yeah. standard Mark six yeah. or seven, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And they're doing the same for the crew. That's very cool. So you can tie your gun crew up to the same if you've used the same helmet across all your force. So it's giving it that that yeah. same uniformed look. 
Yeah, I know a lot of lad troops and stuff like that. A lot of lads were really happy with the, the fact they can do the paratroopers, which I'm sure G gives a double thumbs up when Woo-hoo! you can do more paratroopers and make them look like paratroopers. That's right. Yeah, I've got the... <laughs> you know, G, G didn't like the paratroopers she came up against last Sunday, but uh, I'll leave that for another segment of the show. What? Hey. <laughs> she's not finished with them yet. She's That's there. right. Oh, no, no. Jim, is that right? Is there something that's very true. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> the rematch, not the rematch, sorry, the second half. The continuation. The con- exciting yeah. conclusion. <laughs> so there, there is a couple of other things as well, which I'll add onto the news as well from Gaz is, um, I think it was this past week, or it might have been earlier uh, the week before, was Footsaw did a live stream on Facebook. Uh-huh. So they were talking about the different elements with the, within the Footsaw that's coming in, and it's been put on the Footsaw page, that Footsaw US miniatures, so the moderns are coming to the UK and they're going to be branded under Footsaw Modern. Yep. yep. So they're getting ready to, they just need to get the finalized shots. So they're talking about early, could be early July, but uh, probably early August, maybe. We will be able to order, in the UK, we'll be able to order the Footsaw uh, Modern Rangers yeah. or what's available initially, no. which is good, actually. So, you know, from from UK point of view, it's nice ordering direct from Tim, but, you know, all right, guys. a little bit, you know, so we'll be able to order them direct from Footsaw UK and get them yep. within that. And uh, just to sort of general news is I'd recommend if anybody's not watched it, watch the new Tom Hanks movie. Greyhound? If you've got an Apple TV Plus. Greyhound, Greyhound. Greyhound. Yeah. Very good. It's a... It's the, basically the story behind the Greyhound runs from America to the UK during World War Two, and the wolf packs hunting them. Hmm. So cool. it's the battle and stuff. So it's the battle of the North Atlantic. Sweet. And it's Give really, it really go. good. It's very well put together. It's written by Tom Hanks as well. He actually wrote it because he's going back into World War Two supposedly with Band of Brothers as well. As a, they're busy looking at shall we say, continuing that story. Band of Brothers, Band of Brothers, Band of Brothers. Uh. Yeah. So, but it's really worth watching um, Greyhound. So Very if you cool. do have an Apple TV Plus, you get to watch it for free. All right. Cool. Uh, a couple of things that come to mind, Jim. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Marines giving up their uh, tanks. What's your opinion on that one? Uh, yeah, I've heard that from some people. Um, yeah, I mean, so the I last uh, M1 soon. rolled out of um, uh, Camp Chupadurji, but somewhere in California. 29 Palms? Pendleton. I think it was Pendleton or 29 Palms. Yeah, Pendleton, yeah. Oh, okay. So what? What do you? how do you feel about the Marines giving up tanks? Um, it doesn't bother me at all. No? Uh, I'm not entirely sure uh, what the Corps was doing with those tanks post uh, 2003 uh, in the first place. Okay. So um, if they can just get rid of the friggin' Osprey now, um, (laughs) or at least get it where it stops crashing. (laughs) Um, I'm serious, man. That thing has killed more Marines than Mount Suribachi. Um, the, the, the core I've been reading about, they, they've been ditching a lot of gear that doesn't, that doesn't fit for them. So the core is, the core is not the army. And yeah. I think that's probably the only thing that the core of the army is ever going to agree on. Um, is that one is not the other and the other is not the one. So the Marine Corps has a very specific uh, mission profile that's always evolving and always changing. And they are very adamant in making sure that they have the right gear for that mission. They don't care about what's fashionable. They don't care about what other forces are using um, or what uh, other um, 
you know, branches of the military are, are using. So they are going to use, unless it happens to work for them, a uh, good example are, you know, the Cobra versus the Apache or um, like the LAV versus the Bradley or, you know, things like that. Um, the Marines have to be a lot more strategically mobile than the Army does. So weight is always a problem. If it doesn't fit on a plane that we have available or that the, the Corps still has available, or if it doesn't fit in the amphibious warfare ships, it's no use to, to them. So the a lot of a lot of decisions that uh, people have been making vis-a-vis the Abrams over the last 20 years, um, I mean, nobody listens to me, but I don't agree with. That tank has been getting heavier and heavier and slower and slower and less and less effective ever since they continue to bolt on the Tusk kit and the heavy uranium armor kit and this and that and the other thing. One of the things that made the Abrams good was it's... It was always kind of heavy, but it was very fast, at least. It's not so fast anymore. Uh, they need to put that tank back on a diet. <laughs> I think the Marine Corps finally got around and looked around, and they said, you know what, this isn't working for us. The logistics chain for the Abrams is absolutely insane. Um, yes, the, the Abrams is the best tank in the world, if you can afford it. Dollar for dollar, it's not the best tank in the world, but pound for pound, it is. But that's only if you can afford it. And not only the cost of the tank, but the cost of its first echelon maintenance, second echelon maintenance, third, fourth, fifth, sixth echelon maintenance. I mean, it, this is a this is a high maintenance girlfriend, is is the Abrams. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when she's with you, you're going to be the talk of the town. But I tell you what, plan on spending a lot of money and sp- plan on putting up with a lot of drama. It's probably the, the, the most fun way I can put that. So my guess is, um, again, no one in the Marine Corps actually, you know, I'm not exactly, you know, in there with uh, the Joint Chiefs or anything by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but, you know, just as an, as an external observer, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think the Abrams is worth it anymore for the Marine Corps, you know, global power projection mission or whatever, as far as, you know, what their mission is, you know, first to go, last to know kind of a thing. Right. You're not going to be the first anywhere globally if you're going with the Abrams because the Abrams requires such a huge pile of uh, really any main battle tank, but of all the main battle tanks of the world, like the, the, the current, like I think it's fifth generation uh, main battle tanks, it, n- not not the Abrams, man, because every Abrams crew, first of all, the Abrams is going to cost you 10 to $11 million. It's going to cost you another couple million dollars in training just to put the crew of four men in there. And then what you're putting in behind it for every four men in one Abrams, you've got another hundred people behind it. Fuel trucks. The thing drinks fuel like a Scotsman on a Friday night. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's insane. The amount of, of fuel that thing takes up it's maintenance. It's uh, it's repair costs. It's, it's, you know, the, the, the effort and capital that goes into maintaining it. Um, the Marine Corps has always had to stretch a dollar. Uh, for every dollar the Army gets, the Marines get a dime. So when it comes to, you know, fulfilling the mission with available resources, they got to cut where they got to cut. They're cutting a lot of stuff. Um, they're cutting, uh, I read an article just the other day, they're cutting one of their big mortar systems, their 120 millimeter mortar systems. Along with the two different types of trucks that they had to buy to you had to have a certain truck to tow the mortar and a certain type of truck to tow the, the ammunition trailer that went with the truck. Why can't you tow them both with the same truck? This is the kind of stuff the Corps doesn't put up with. Um, so, yeah, they're retiring a lot of stuff. It just doesn't work for them on a, uh, you know, on, on that global level. The Marines have to have to – the basic posture of the Corps is that they have to be ready to be 
pretty much anywhere in the world. The president picks up a phone and says, I need something here. And you have to Google search the frigging country before you find out where the hell it is. And the Marines have to be there within 24 hours. You can't do that with an Abrams. Um, so I'm, I'm only assuming that, uh, you know, that's going to be, that's going to feed into the, their decision to, to ditch the Abrams. Along yeah. with, like I said, a lot of other weapon systems that just aren't working for them anymore. Well, it's, it's, you know, changing battlefield and, it's time to update and realign and you know look at what works what doesn't what's necessary what isn't you know in the modern battlefield um so i mean in reality you need boots on the ground to hold territory you know um and how do you get them there quickly and efficiently and you know if the uh, motto, you know, of Marines is to be that rapid strike force, you know, you can't do it if you're weighed down with heavy uh, machinery. So, um, yeah, I'm not saying that the, the Americans should, that the United States should get rid of the Abrams. Oh, no, no, no. I think yeah. the Army should definitely keep the Abrams. The people have been saying the first major tank action was in 1916. And the first cry that the tank was obsolete came, I think sometime in early 1917. <laughs> and people have been saying that ever since, and they're always wrong. Um, so as far as whether or not we should get rid of the Abrams in general, no, I just think the Marine Corps should sort of get out of the business of trying to do the army's job. The uh -huh. army should try to get out of doing the business of the Marines job. And they're two separate forces. They need to do their own thing. Um, they're obviously much better at doing their own jobs. Uh, I mean, we kid around a lot, but let's face it, the Army is, is or I should say the Marine Corps, is never going to be big enough to do what the Army does. Yeah. Um, I would never want to take a Marine Corps force up against, like, a, a modern Russian, you know, guards armored division. Uh, that's, just, that's just not the job that the Marine Corps is supposed to do. That's the Army's job. That's why we have an Army. Um, but then again, you know, can the Marine, can the Army do some of the things that the Marines can do? Uh, yes, um, an Army soldier can jump out of a boat and run up on a beach. We, we, we proved that at Normandy. Um, but that's not, there's a little bit more to the Marine Corps than just amphibious warfare. Yeah. So it's about, yeah, uh, what is your mandate as far as, you know, the Corps' mandate versus the Army's mandate versus the Navy, the Air Force? What is your mandate? What is your global mission? And what tools do you need to do that mission? And do you have any tools in your in your in your force right now that you don't really need, especially given the enormous investment that comes with it? Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, the Abrams, the best tank in the world. No disrespect to the to the chieftain, or I'm sorry, to the challenger or to the leopard or anything else, <laughs> but that's only because they spend the money on it. It's a dollar for dollar. The Abrams is nowhere close. I will take a for, if I had like ten million dollars. Like if if you're gonna game. And your game is based on not scenario points or some other abstract nonsense, whatever, but real dollars. Okay, you get you know forty million dollars to build your battalion. You get forty million dollars to build your battalion. I'm building with Leopard Twos because you're going to have five Abrams, and I'm going to have twelve Leopard Twos, and twelve Leopard Twos will have five Abrams for breakfast. But tank for tank, pound for pound, Abrams is best, but only because of that that cost, and that cost is what probably makes it prohibitive for the Marine Corps. You know. Yeah moving forward into the 21st century. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. That's a good way of looking at it. Oh, very good. Awesome. All right. Uh, Gaz, um, do you yeah. have an idea what you're going to be doing on your next painting show? Um, it's a toss-up at the moment between Sergeant Sitrep and a 251 Hanomag. 
Oh, interesting options. Uh, I yeah. take it you got your ST, uh, STL file working? Yep, that's all good. good, um, good, good. What I did do was uh, I've got my films through now as well. Okay. So I'm just going to get that fitted up and get one printed off. Excellent. Uh, and uh, we'll see how he looks. And if I'm uh -huh. happy, he'll go on. All right. Uh, and if not, then the Hannah Mag will step in while I get the print to how I want it to be. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, I'll have a play. I want to make sure it's a good quality print uh -huh. because I want to put some real time into it. Very nice. Very nice. Excellent. Um, Jim, you've got uh, tomorrow you're facing an opponent to uh, end that little Russian... on being polite and, and letting someone who's already lost the game <laughs> to, you know, go ahead and kind of finish up or whatever. You know, it's all about having fun Ooh. and you never want to have your opponent feel bad. Oh, or wow. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but no, in all seriousness, we're going to uh, wrap up and finish um, our Prokhorovka game, largest tank clash in history, July 12th, 1943. We did the anniversary of it last Sunday, which was, you know, July 12th. Uh huh. And uh, we're going to go ahead and finish it up tomorrow. Uh huh. And I kind of disappointed you. I didn't have a big old tank battle right off the bat. I just spread my forces like little mice and had them running around the corners. So. No, you, you struck into a void. You attacked the flank, which is which is great. Yeah. Um, sometimes when we're setting up those demo games in a Twitch stream or a live stream or whatever on Sitrep Podcast, uh, I'm like, okay, I don't want this game to get too boring or whatever, so I'm going to, you know, have this scenario designed in a certain uh, expected way where there are great big fire exchanges like as soon as possible. Um, that didn't happen this time, which is totally fine. I think our stream was a lot more interesting. It may not have been as fiery or as violent or as, you know, immediately action packed or whatever as, you know, I was expecting, but it's definitely a lot more interesting now because it's not like you said, it's not just this collision of armor in the middle of a field. Yep. So it was definitely a lot more shit talking. <laughs> so yeah make sure uh you know obviously this will go out after that so make sure you catch that video if you have not seen them um but yeah we're looking forward to it ralph do you have some news you want to share with everybody well that's i'm stepping away for a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be stepping away for a little bit um just other things have come up and um, I need to concentrate on that, so I will be pulling back a little bit. Um, I'm still around if people have got any questions. I'll be on the Facebook and stuff, but I'm not going to be, shall we say, commentating as much Gotcha. as what we were doing. And I've passed all the graphics over to Jay and stuff, so if graphics need to be updated, they've got the templates and everything. So everything's set ready, so I okay. can take a little bit of a break and concentrate on something else that needs to be sorted. Well, we appreciate your time with us and, uh, you know, you're welcome back whenever you feel you're ready and if not understandable and good luck to you and um i know you're not totally disappearing but uh you know nope. you've been part of this podcast since almost the beginning so we want to make sure that uh we let you know we appreciate you and uh yep. you know well i always pop on if need be if, if you if you get guests on yeah. you know i'm always happy to speak to people <laughs> uh, so well we thank you ralph we appreciate it so yeah, no worries it was, it's been fun. Yeah. So, guys, um, we're going to leave it at that, unless anybody has any final thoughts or comments. Um, I do. Okay, um, go ahead. Next Sunday, 
next Sunday when you can't sit down because I've kicked your American ass all over the battlefield. What? Oh, um, next what, Sunday what you, uh... is what? The uh, sit rep cup? I totally forgot about it. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> liberty or death, God save the king. Here we come. Uh, you can forget the liberty bit. <laughs> oh, it's already started. Oh, mate, it's it's already, it's well on. I am so excited. I'm I'm going to be. Uh, Jim has kindly held back the rules till the last minute, so I've got less of a chance. I think that was a tactical ploy by the. I haven't US. seen the rules either, so you know. <laughs> hey, uh, Gaz, I'll make sure I send you the recipe for good old fashioned sweet tea, just so you can yeah. have yourself a nice big tall glass. I'll, I'll go into one of the shops that does American goods and see if I can find a genuine one that's been shipped in, <laughs> just in case. Amazon, <laughs> Amazon. yeah, Amazon. Uh, so you know you gotta, you, you know you gotta uh, drink that sweet tea there uh, and say in America and you know oh, all that yeah, stuff. Well, the good thing is I'll have to do it, so that's not a problem. <laughs> um, so Jim's kindly sent me over the rules. Uh, Wait a minute, you got the rules this week off to study up. What? So, I don't uh, have the rules. <laughs> All right, seriously, guys. Um, this is Battlefield Revolution. We have about seven hours of it on our YouTube channel. So Dylan has play tested it twice on YouTube. So we have like live demo games. Yeah. The rules have not actually been written. However, all the charts that you need are yeah. all the, like the, the bullet lists and the turn sequences and reference materials are all in that spreadsheet. Uh, gee, I can send over a copy of the spreadsheet I just sent to Gaz. He got it about 10 minutes before we started. <laughs> um, if you would be so oh, kind, sir. Come on. <laughs> I thought I was going to pay you in, uh, you know, Iraqi 1990 tanks or something. Oh, bribery. See, those Brits, they'll do anything to win. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's all about being the winner at the end of the day when it's a sit rep cup, baby. <laughs> Damn, I better start printing the cup today. Looking forward to it. Forward to it. All right, we got to start advertising that. People are going to want to watch the sit rep cup. All right. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that's next weekend. I told, geez, I totally thought it, it's next weekend. It's next weekend. Holy cow. Okay, well. I know what I'm doing next weekend. All right, guys. Uh, with that in mind, does anybody have any final thoughts? If not, we're going to close out the show. No? No, I would say a final thing. If yeah. you've not tried Battlespace, there's some videos on YouTube. Check out the Wargame Vault if you want to buy it and hit up their Facebook page if you want more information. The guy's done a really good job. Yep, most definitely. And make sure you check out Tuesday night's uh, Brew and View with Gaz um, because at the time of this airing, the next show will be coming out that following Tuesday. And uh, make sure you catch up on Jim's Sunday Gaming. Um, and actually, the Sit Rep Cup will be the day after this comes out. So, um Make sure you catch with us on uh, all our uh, media channels, uh, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Uh, if you do not have not already done so, please like, subscribe, comment, share, bells, all that good stuff. And as, I just checked your Facebook page, Jim, it just so you to know we're at 391 followers as of this morning of the recording. So we have definitely grown. Uh, I did not check YouTube. 320 on Facebook. I mean, on uh, on YouTube. Wow. All right. We continue to grow there. We'll pick it up at least a couple of days. Yeah. Excellent. All right, guys. Um, and remember, we also have um, some prizes that we're giving away as well, right? So uh, make sure you're commenting on those too. All right. So, guys, we're going to close out the show on that. 
Um, we appreciate everything you've done. Ralph, good luck. Uh, thank you. Hope yeah, to see you around you. soon. And to Gaz and Jim, thank you as always. And this is G for the Sit Rep Podcast, and we will see you on the next one.